It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. is the Nightside Project. Look at the size of that boy's heat. I'm not kidding, it's like an orange on a toothpick. Nightside on KSL. A limited edition summer season. It's summer now. They told me this would be temporary. It cannot end soon enough. The Nightside Project with Ethan Millard and Alex Carey. Streaming live on Alexa and on KSL News Radio at 102.7 FM. Welcome to the Nightside Project. I'm Ethan Millard here with Alex Here, Thanks so much for tuning in today. Another episode. Another day, another episode. When did we, uh, when did we actually go on last year in relief of uh, COVID? Was, I feel like it was right about this time. It was right I mean, the, right around the, now is when we had to start figuring it out. But No, it was. I think it was April. April 10th or something? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it was, it was April because we went how, into July. It was four months total, I think. Don't you love how everything is like we're celebrating these dumb anniversaries? I thought about it the other day, and I'm like, these are dumb anniversaries. I don't want to – you don't celebrate anniversaries of, of, like, the worst relationship you've ever had. You, like, and, and that's over, You know what, right? though? But and you might back, celebrate – What? You might- Perspective or what? I don't like that. And I'm like, we, we did the year – we did the year from when Go, Rudy Gobert was uh, – you know, got COVID, and then it kind of started everything up. And we tripped over ourselves here at, uh, at, at KSL to, like uh, – you know, tell that story, and I was like, I felt weird playing them all that day because a lot of it went down on on Scott and uh, my show that night, and I was like, this is, this feels weird. And then we celebrated. This was the worst one. We celebrated a year anniversary, celebrating a year anniversary of that stupid uh, uh, earthquake coming up. Like, oh what, yeah, are we celebrate that. I don't want to celebrate. It was uh, terrifying. I put a gun under my the seat of my car. Did I tell you that? Did that you day. really? Oh yeah, that day I was freaked out, man. I put a gun under the seat of my car. I put our 72-hour kits in the car, and I was like, I was, <laughs> I assumed I assumed everything was canceled, man. I assumed life was canceled. I was like, Here's all bets are off. I'm going to have to shoot some people on the way down to uh, to uh, Parowan on our secret ranch down there. Oh, I see. I was going to say, where would you go? Because here's, here's oh, we got me. a secret ranch in Parowan. Okay, so here's here's or Paragona. You don't know which one. Here's the thing: is if I were to do that, put a gun in the car, 72-hour kits in the car. I would just be leaving to drive around with a gun and 72 yeah. hour kits in the car. No, that's why you no, got to well, go. I may you as well give stay the gun home. to one of the kids. That's what I did. You got to give a gun to one of the kids, have the window rolled down. Mm. And just, you know, uh, if you're going to be serious about it, that's the year of celebrating. The year of me taking the gun back out of the car and going, okay, fine. This time, this time I'm safe, but next time I'll be ready for you. But mm. anyway, so I'm just saying celebrating these years have been uh, kind of weird. But, uh, well, yeah, we got to do something. Uh, okay. I got two things to talk about with you today, buddy. Let's hear it. You ready? Yep. Lay it on me. Traffic related deaths are up. And this whole thing about, uh, so the UDOT rolled out this whole thing, the Utah Department of Transportation. I think it's like this in a lot of other states. Um, people are driving pretty recklessly. There are more people, there are fewer people on the roads. Feet are being pushed down to the, uh, to the, bo- to the uh, floorboard more. Uh, they've had more people over 100 miles an hour for tickets than they've ever had. In a, a year stretch, why are people such bad drivers during the pandemic? Do I don't think they're bad drivers. Yeah, they are. Well, don't no, we Maybe. actually have more fatalities this year. I, I I don't know. You know what I think it is? 
I think people are stressed out. Tons of anxiety, and I think that just uh, it affects your performance, right? <laughs> you start swerving. No, you just, you, just really you got other things on your mind. Mm. You got other things on your mind. You're like, oh, and you're driving. Yeah. And it's not like you're on your cell phone or anything, mm-hmm. but you just, in your mind, your mind's on its cell phone with itself, trying to figure some things out. And so all of a sudden, traffic piles up. All of a sudden, all you see is brake lights, bam. And I think that's what it is. I think it's just general anxiety, and just people have other things on their mind. It's made us... Uh, it's made us unreliable on the road. I'm not going to say we're bad drivers <laughs> okay. because I always feel like Utah's a good drivers. I think people are stupid about that. But um, but I, I will say I think we've been anxious drivers. I think we've been distracted drivers, mentally distracted. Um, so I wanted to bring something else up too because I saw it today and I thought – I really just picked stuff that I think we would have talked about on uh, the old Nightside Project, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, kind, sure. of, that's kind of the, the – this is sort of my way of picking things out. So I saw this story about how in Spain they are rolling out a, a – uh, you see this? They're rolling out a practice, uh, like a like a, a dry run on the uh, four-day work week in the, in the country. Uh, really? Yes. And I thought, you know what? You, you don't need you're, – you're aiming too low here. Europe – first of all, not a lot of things – Europe is – they have the, the bar set low for hours – to work during the week. But they're Just launching period. this trial of this four-day work week. And I thought, listen, we already kind of figured out that we can do – that. Don't you, you don't go for a four-day work week. Go for three days at the office and two days at home. Wink. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you don't yeah, need yeah, to – Yeah, yeah, I don't – I don't like, – don't – we Kind of like how the, your kids are at school from home on Friday. Wink. Oh, yeah, yeah Friday's at school day. <laughs> that's the funniest thing is like – I'm honestly – my kids are like, as soon as Thursday hits <laughs> – my kids are like, where are we going for the weekend? I'm like, I don't know, but leave your book bags behind. They're way too much in the car. <laughs> like, get out of here. Save room for the guns we've got to take. But I'm, but I'm seriously like the, the, the Spain experimenting with the four-day work week. We already know what the answer is. That's, okay. like, saying, that's like saying, oh, uh, Ethan and Alex experiment with pepperoni pizza to see if it's any good. Like, we know what the result is going to be. This thing is, we know what it's going to Now, it didn't work in Utah, right? Why didn't the four-day work week work in Utah? Because we still rang 40-plus hours out of these people, where it was like, the real question well, yeah, it was is- four tens. You mean, are you talking about the state of Utah, the yes, state employees? Yes, when we tried it yeah, here, it was four tens. And so we're basically telling people just work these, uh, you know, you know, reward yourself with a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But during the week, remember they were like, uh, they were seeing they were seeing if they were checking out early, and they were telling on them if they did, and they end up going I'm, back on some of these. Yeah, well, and also because this was something that um, that like the the really hardcore conservatives in the state always hated it because for the Republican Party, the state bureaucracy in which so many of them have worked, ironically, <laughs> yeah. is this giant enemy, right. right? This giant enemy, and so they just. I mean, I think they hated to see any kind of consideration for state employees. They just, oh, they grind their teeth every time this comes up. Every time the state employees come up in some way that it's got to be considered other than how many of them can we fire. And so, because what you saw is once Governor Herbert came in, what did he do? Immediately end it. Killed because it. Yeah, yeah. that was always kind of Governor Herbert's thing is when when he, in the election for Huntsman, when Huntsman became governor, Herbert was there to keep the radical right wing in line, right? He was a he was a Utah County commissioner known as hardcore 
anti, anti, anti idea. And so when he got became governor, that was, I think, one of the concessions he made to the radicals is, okay, we're going to go back to thinking that state employees are just terrible people and we're going to just end this for them. And um, and then, you know, he wound up changing and, and his staff, Governor Herbert's staff, wound up pushing him into a very moderate and in some ways liberal administration. Well, but see, here's the thing. So they're, what they're getting right on this is they go, we're working, we're working toward a four day work week, 32 hours. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a four day work week, uh, still trying to figure out how to jam 40 hours in. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up because I think that they're, that Spain here is on the vanguard of something. It's not. Uh, look, we I, already yeah, figured no, it out in this listen, last. No, year. but here's, here's the thing. It's going to go even further. I read this interesting article. Now you and I aren't going to live to see this, but the article <laughs> pointed this out. He said, he said, he said, we went from, you know, more than half of the humans on the planet were involved in agriculture, right? And that wasn't very far ago. For right. long ago, it was like 100 years ago. Yeah. More than half of the humans were involved in agriculture. Today, at least here in the United States, it's like 3% or something paltry that's that's involved in agriculture. But our agriculture output is, output is still enormous. Mm-hmm. We just need fewer people. And this guy said, this is what's going to happen to work, period. He said, there's going to reach a point where our great great grandkids are going to learn about our lives and they're going to say, "Wow, that guy had a full time job. How crazy!" Kind of like thinking back to your great grandfather. Wow, that guy. He worked seven days. That a week. guy raised calf, right, cows. Right. Wow, that's crazy. There's basically we're going to get to the point where there's just not going to be a ton of quote unquote work to do, <laughs> and for the most part, humans will retire from full time employee employment as a species. Yeah, and I think that – and people are nervous because they think that, oh, uh, that's what the hipsters want. And we know what the well, hipsters are. They say are. that's what the communists want. It's it's what the hipsters want, and the hipsters that equate to new communism are a bunch of lazy bums, right? The reality is is it's it's a bunch of people who already worked 40-hour work weeks who now won't be able to not work the 40-hour work weeks. They won't be able to get that time back. So they have to do the back in my day it was hard kind of a deal, right? Kind mm-hmm. of a – a 40-hour work week is, is going to be equivalent to an up, uphill, two ways kind of deal. I mean, the well, reality is this. So so mm-hmm. really break down how many hours you work a week, uh, like, at your office. Like it, actual productive yeah, work? The, the, no, and I'm saying even, like, for me, when we used to come in a lot earlier and we get a lot more stuff done while here at the office, uh, they've asked us to cut down the time that we're actually, like, hey, when do you actually need to be at the office? You know what I mean? Like, And so for us, to do show prep, uh, like I come in and, and it used to be coming in at two or three and instead I'll come in at four, right? So we'll start yeah. prepping at four and our show starts at seven. And so then I walk out the door and it's basically five hours at the, at the station every day, but I'm at the station for those five hours. Now there are other things like during, here's the other negative part of it. I'm also on the hook to be on in these, you know, meetings that are going on during the rest of the regular workday. You know, people who are like having that 11 a.m. meeting, people who work nine to five type shifts or at least wink, pretend to work nine to five. Mm-hmm. I have to sit in on those sometimes, listen in, participate, pretend like I'm participating. And so it's not the it, – it, I don't think anybody's asking anyone to do 40 hours a week anymore unless it's, you know, what do you think the ones – except for like in retail where it's like the punch in, punch out hourly situation. I think that's pretty easy. We've already made this uh, this transition. We've already told ourselves – and this is a perfect time to do it. When we start getting back into the quote-unquote regular times, we're back from uh, COVID, you know, in the next six months or eight months mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, does it look like, like – uh, it's going to look totally different. 
They're they're doing so many surveys at, my, at our office, Ethan, about how could you uh, you know could you could you keep working this way with you working from home, blah blah blah. There gonna be a lot of people who don't show back up to work and they'll still be on the payroll working from home. Does Kevin know you don't work forty hours? <sighs> Kevin's not my boss, man. What? Kevin's not your boss anymore. No, no, no. Look, they they know I don't. Here's the deal. How he's many? Bo- but he is the he is the nom uh, at least in some ways he's, he's the boss the of the Nightside Project podcast, saying, right? You, meh, okay, but I'm just saying I'm just saying this. No, and I'm not gonna. I don't feel bad for only being at the station five hours a day because there are a lot of people who are. Uh, I mean, that's assuming that I walk right in at four and leave right when our show ends at nine, which is not necessarily the case. But yeah. Um. I, but I mean, like, I, I don't have any problem. How many? How many? How many years did I work Saturdays on top of the five days a week we worked at Nightside? And we did. We felt. We felt guilty if it was like, oh, we're two to ten. Oof, barely got in that eight hours or whatever. I don't know. I'm. Gone should be the times of you feeling guilty, like it had nothing to do with whether or not you, you got your work done, but whether or not you were at your desk exactly on time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So Spain's figuring it out. New Zealand, Germany, they've already kind of uh, gone that direction already. But I don't know. Could you get your job done in 32 hours during the week? Absolutely. Ethan, you and I have talked about how much we hate like the set hour lunch break. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. in an office setting. The hour lunch break is like a big deal for people to be like, oh, good. It takes me 13 minutes to walk to the place and get the food, and then we come back, and then I have 46 more minutes for me to be able to just not do anything. And then it just is – that's never been important to me. I'm like, I don't need to eat and then finally get back on the clock again. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. No, I agree. What are you on, the toilet? What's going on? No. Okay. No, I'm not. Why anyway, does it sound like it? No, no, it's fine. I was just wondering if that's if you had any thoughts about it. What, do you work eight-hour days? Do you, work, I, do you work five eight-hour days? I, I think, yeah, for the most part. But I, I agree with you on the lunch hour. Stop Sometimes, you know, the, the one hour for lunch, the set one hour for lunch is crazy. Sometimes you need three. Mm. Or four. Yeah. No, for sure. You got those yeah. clients. They love those uh, Tucano's buffets. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes, and, and people in sales understand this, mm-hmm. sometimes you go for lunch and then, you know, you just go back to the office and say, hey, I've got some uh, client visits I need to make. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying is like, d- dude, the sales floor here is totally empty. Well, and, yeah. And guess what they're doing? And guess what they're doing? They're still selling. So oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm in touch with the sales we, floor Ethan, uh, how every many, week. How many times have we been? How many times have we watched uh, people uh, and they're like, "Oh, well, I didn't see you at your desk." And these people are like in their 40s, you know. <laughs> so it's like I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see you at your desk. I'm going, listen, let these salespeople do their sales gig somewhere else. You know, yeah. let them do it. Let them. They can do it from home. Come on, I yeah. don't need to see them doing. it. I don't need to look over and go, "Good, you're here. Now I can rest at ease." It doesn't mean you're actually getting any work done. Boy, you can say that again. Anyway. Look, I can sleep at my desk just as easy as I can sleep at uh, home. I wish I could sleep. You know how these studios are. They have all these windows all around. Yeah. Everyone would yeah. see. I'd basically be on display with my mouth open asleep in the studio. That well, so this is what you do, though. Here's the thing. So you put your mask on. Look, <laughs> oh, I told you this. Mask and sunglasses. With the glasses. <laughs> I would still be mouth open. Well, I guess the mask on yeah, covers so that's that. that's what I'm saying, man. But the freaking I would be mask. Back in my, I'd be tipped back in the, in the chair. And then and then turn the microphone on so right. that the recording oh, light comes on, on so no one comes air. in. It says on air. It would be yeah. weird because under, they would see the CPAP machine that I brought to work <laughs> to nap with underneath the mask. <laughs> Tell them you've got COVID. It's oxygen, supplemental oxygen. Don't come in here. Uh, I'm recording and there's imagine, COVID. No one come in here. Can you imagine getting on the elevator and your boss is like, hey, what's going on, Ethan? What do you have, on, what do you have there? A CPAP machine? 
<laughs> What's it for? Uh, I'm just going to clean it out. You guys have really hot water here. <laughs> yeah, just uh, no, nothing. I was going to show uh, going to show one of the janitors uh, the seal I have on the mask here. He's, he's working on his uh, his there. All right, Miller. I got a Zen headline for you. Us. Do? Oh, yeah, man. guess what? Here? I got the music. Okay. So this is from uh, SFGate. This is a story. It's actually a little bit of history, American history. Uh, Andrew Chamings put together this story of San Francisco's famous famous lost tourist. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase a couple of parts out of here. This happened in 1979. Erwin Krutz is a 49-year-old German brewery worker, and he always wanted to see San Francisco. Always wanted to see San Francisco. Saved up his money, basically blew his life savings on a round-trip, once-in-a-lifetime birthday vacation to San Francisco. He'd seen it on TV. He couldn't wait. Well, this man, who typically enjoyed drinking 17 beers a day, according to his own... Jeez. I know. 17 beers a day? Yeah. So... This guy did not work eight-hour days, by the way. No, 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 no. So the... uh, so the flight had one stop in Bangor, Maine. <laughs> and they were on Bangor, Maine. And the flight attendant that he'd gotten to know um, was jumping off there. Her shift was ending. She was leaving the plane. And on her way out, she told him to have a nice time in San Francisco. Well, in his, you know, half-awake stupor, he thought, oh, my gosh, we're here. Grabbed his suitcase, got off the plane, went through customs, jumped in the cab, and asked the driver to take him to the city. Wow. He wandered around Bangor, Maine for three days, enjoying the sights and sounds. He thought he was in San Francisco. Oh. No. Yeah. This poor guy. It was finally discovered what the problem was. Within a week, he became he an international be- celebrity. He had 17 beers on the plane. That was the problem. He was uh, he was made an international celebrity. He was on the Today Show and interviewed by Time Magazine, and he wound up he he wound up being gifted a plot of land. I want to say like a I can't I can't remember how big it was. He wound up being gifted a piece of land just outside of Bangor, Maine, and uh, San Francisco paid to ha- to ex- have him extend his vacation and fly out to San Francisco, where he was awarded the key to the city. And became a general folk hero. Can you believe that? How long ago was this? This is in 1977. So how are we finding out about this now? Oh, it was. Uh, it, people knew about it. It's oh. just one of those things that was big then, and everyone's forgotten about it because I it just was, love the idea of they just they shoehorn into the story that he had the tendency to drink about 17 beers a day, and then I don't know how he got off the plane early. Like, come on. You know, that guy was... He did it. He deci- After three days, he decided that he must be in a suburb of San Francisco, right? He's like, well, obviously this is in the city. So he hailed a taxi and asked the driver to take him to downtown San Francisco. He's like, why is the, why is the ocean on the right here, not on the left? What's going yeah. on here? <laughs> so uh, isn't that amazing? Now, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. Oh, he all he that's also something, that's pre-internet stuff. Those are pre-internet oh, yeah. problems. You can't. That's have why he on. was on the Today Show. That's right. Amazing. That's how this began. So he was um, he was made an honorary member of the Pen Penobscot Indian Nation. He no. had a folk song written about him. He was thrown a 50th birthday party and vi- that was attended by the governor of Maine. And this is what it is. He was gifted an acre of scrubland in northern Maine as an act of goodwill. Now, here's the deal, and I loved this so much, is that every year, um, the goes, county clerk up there. He goes and mows it? Oh. No. Um, the, 
the county clerk reports that every year he gets a check for, he sends a bill for the property taxes for that acre and gets a check. So apparently that guy's been paying taxes on that the whole time. Hilarious. He doesn't have any plans for it, but he just doesn't want to lose it. He appreciates it so much that so he's just been paying taxes every year on that acre property. It's a great move by Banger Maine where they go, uh, dude, we're going to gift this to you. By the way, you're never going to live here, and we're going to get three. We're going to get thirty five hundred dollars from you a year. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the. I don't know what the an acre of land outside of Bangor, Maine would be, uh, tax wise. Anyway, well, yeah, good for him. Good for him. Good for you. Good for you. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's also really sad. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that he got to. I'm glad he got to do that. I'm glad he got to to actually go and. Which one do you think he liked more? I mean, it sounds like they gave him more gifts in uh, in Bangor, Maine. Yeah, I think his. I, I mean, I think he appreciated seeing. Um, I, I think they appreci- appreciated seeing San Francisco, and obviously he was a celebrity there. But I, I think he really connected to Bangor, Maine. Yeah. So, all right, Ethan, great talking to you, buddy. Hey, thanks, another, man. Uh, another edition of the show. We'll do this another. again later this week. Hey, while your NCAA brackets are getting filled out, and then you see, send us your most ridiculous brackets that people are having you fill out. KSL.com has a most ridiculous bracket on the best takeout restaurants in Salt Lake City. A bracket. Yes. So send us your most ridiculous brackets. We'll try to play along this week. Uh, Freethan Millet, I'm Alex Curie. See you on the Nightside Project uh, podcast another time. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.